and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist, and I am broadcasting from WOUF Woof Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you so much for joining me here again today. Hey, if you haven't clicked that subscribe or that follow button, do so right now. New episodes come out every Wednesday morning. You're going to want to check it out. Also, if you love what you're hearing, be sure you click that five-star rating. Yes, and you can also follow me on Instagram at Speak a Dogcast. Now, today on the show, it's back. The walk, yeah. We're going to talk more about that walk, the most important, the most crucial part of training your dog. Then we have cute cuddle playtime but not always. <laughs> You're just going to have to listen in to hear what that's about. Then comes the first pets, followed by the listener Q&A. Hey, if you guys have questions for the listener Q&A, you can email me, questions at speakadogcast.com, or feel free to just message me on social media. Now, before we get going with today's show, I have to give you that trivia question. And today's question is going to be, in the UK series Wallace and Gromit, what breed of dog is Gromit? Yes, what breed of dog is Gromit from Wallace and Gromit? I will give you the answer to that question somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's back, The Walk. Yes, we are getting back to the walk. It always comes back to it, doesn't it? Doesn't it always come back to the walk? It is so vital, so important. It's the foundational building block for training and working with your dog. And there's no escaping it, guys. There's no substitute. There's nothing you can do that is going to interchange whatever you're thinking of uh, for that walk. It is the most underutilized, underappreciated, underestimated tool that you have in your training tool belt. And it does, I feel like it doesn't matter how many times I scream it from the rooftops, people don't get out there enough and walk their dogs. They just don't. And they don't do it properly, right? How many times have you heard me say that? Proper way to rock, walk your dog. There's a right way, there's a wrong way. It's as simple as that, guys. Okay, Walks are going to be 85% mental every single time. You know, it's one thing, I, I get some of you out there that need to utilize the walk uh, as peeing and pooping time for your dogs, time for them to relieve themselves. Sure, that's an aspect of it, and we can. We can just go outside on a leash, go for a five-minute walk to relieve themselves, because that's what we're trying to accomplish, and go back inside. But that's not quite what we're talking about. You know, I'm really talking about giving your dog a job, giving them something to do, giving them mental fulfillment, okay? And so that's really when I say you got to get your dog on a walk, that's the kind of walk that has to happen. While your dog might need to relieve themselves, you have to get this walk in. Okay? 85% mental mental, and 15% physical. It's crazy when you think about it. I mean, like, you know, 15% physical. What does everybody treat the walk as? This kind of physical free-for-all. Maybe the dog is six feet out in front of the owner, stopping on and peeing on everything, sniffing a lot, barking at other distractions and dogs, chasing squirrels, not looking at the owner, no focus. There's nothing mental about it. I mean, really, like, think about it. You're walking down the street and you see 10 dogs. How many, how many of those dogs are doing what I just said? Almost all of them. And what does it look like? It's a physical thing. It's not a mental exercise. Okay, so we have to understand what the walk is at its core in order to be able to fulfill what a walk is. It kind of makes sense when you think about it, right? Uh, and again, guys, look, it goes back to basics. It goes back to what a dog is at their core, and it doesn't matter. We can't escape it. Dogs are domesticated wolves. They're cute, adorable, fluffy, domesticated wolves. <laughs> uh, and look, it's, it's incredible to me the difference when you walk your dog and when you don't. 
it's it's a and I'm not talking like a once a week walk. No, when you consistently walk your dog every single day, and then you don't. Prime example. Okay, this past week we had Hurricane Ian. Uh, man, yeah, what a what a crazy storm. Hurricane. Look, guys, for those of you that are not from Florida and don't know, hurricanes are crazy. They're unpredictable. And even with the best technology we have, there's really no way to know how they're going to end up hitting, how long they're going to stick around, where they're going to really end up coming with it, except within a couple hours, a little more than a few hours. But it's a scary, crappy thing, you know, and it's something as Floridians we put up with and we get used to. And, you know, you stock up on supplies in general, all that kind of, you know, just but just so you guys are aware, it's a very different thing. It's not like a blizzard. It's not like, um, you know, different storm systems that maybe other people are used to where there's more predictability to it. It's crazy, guys. It really is. And it's it's a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Um, and we're very grateful that we we didn't come out, you know, with any damage, but there was a lot of rain, a lot of rain and a lot of water. What I'm getting at is I couldn't walk my dogs for a couple days. Simple as that. We were kind of trapped inside um, being that, you know, it just there was so much water. I mean, hell, we had at one point the water was washing over our driveway. I mean, it was literally like a river over our we've got a big, long driveway. It's not like it was by my house. Thank goodness. Our house is nice and built up. We're uh, very lucky. But we had water surrounding the house. Anyway, to make the long story short here, I couldn't exercise my dogs properly and for a few days. And by the end of those few days, I could tell like they're going nuts, you know, like, can we please do something? Uh, I don't blame them. And so once I've been getting them back out there after the storm left, after the water's gone down and cleanup has happened, I can get them back out there. And it's been such a difference. Now, the first walk getting them back out after the hurricane came through was a little crazy. <laughs> you know, they were a little hyped up. They were like, oh my God, we're getting out. Thank God. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So I had to, you know, had to do a little work, bring it in, reel it in. No big deal. Uh, didn't take much, but point is guys, to, to really, you have to walk your dogs consistently. And I promise you, I promise you, if you get out there and walk your dog properly every single day, properly in the correct amount, you will notice a night and day difference in your dog's behavior. Now let's talk about that. Let's talk about the amount for a moment. Um, you know, it's, it's a battle I fight with a lot of people. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's a battle I fight where most people do not walk their dogs the proper amount. They walk them too, too little. It's not enough. Most people do not walk their dogs long enough. And you know, I could go back to maybe we're not getting the right breed for us to begin with. Maybe that's part of the problem. Um, but the reality is people don't walk their dogs long enough. You know, I think I had, I think I talked about this a couple segments back briefly, where I said, you know, I'll tell people, I'll be like, yeah, you know, you've got a, you've, you've got a lab, golden retriever, whatever. You've got a, a sporting dog, a working dog, a gun dog, a, a, what, any of these things. And I tell people, yeah, 45 minutes to an hour twice a day is really what you should be doing minimum minimum. That's crazy, isn't it? Like, David, you're asking me to do two plus hours of exercise with my dog every day. Y yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not the one going out and, and getting the German Shepherd, getting the Belgian Malinois. Like, I'm not the one getting a Husky, a Siberian Husky. I I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't make you go out and get that really intense breed. What am I missing here, guys? So, look, I got to wag my finger. I'm not trying to be mean about it, but th this is just truthful. And it's because I have to look out for what's in the best interest of the dog, don't I? 
And the dog can't go, hey, dude, like, I need more than an hour of exercise every day. They're not going to tell you that. So (laughs) we have to be the responsible dog owner in knowing what our dog needs. Okay. Look, I I said it. I know I said this. This is probably at least 10 or 12 segments back. Uh, But I was talking about my parents when I was growing up. Now, I was the youngest of three, and it took a lot of hounding at my parents to let let us get a dog. And it wasn't until I was seven years old. So, I mean, they waited a while until we got a dog. And even when we did get that dog, my parents were, were very smart and responsible. We took a little, I mean, it was probably at least a couple months of research and reading and, you know, learning more about different breeds and all that kind of stuff. And what dog was going to best fit our lifestyle, right? What was going to fit with our family that that dog would be happiest and we'd be happiest. Mutual, beneficial relationship, you know? And so my family ended up getting a Shih Tzu because quite frankly, we should not have had <laughs> a golden retriever. Like I look back at my child and I go, yeah, no, we, we just, just wasn't the dog for our family. Just wasn't. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Shih Tzu was. And Ashley was a pretty darn good dog overall. I mean, overall, sure. Uh, she had her issues, but you know, she was a good dog. She was a good family dog. She was a great pet. We loved her. She lived to the ripe old age of 17 and a half, I think. Yeah, I mean, crazy, you know? So you have to know what dog is going to be best for your family and your lifestyle to be able to match that walk with it, right? Ashley didn't really need a big walk. Ashley was a little shih tzu, 20, 30 minutes, good quality walk, boom, we would have been done, all set, no big deal. You could even get away with one of those a day, uh, depending upon the dog, really. You know, she was a pretty chill dog. She had a pretty chill personality overall. Um, So, yeah, you know, okay, so you get what I'm saying here, guys. Don't be surprised when your yellow lab is bouncing off the walls and chewing everything because you're walking it for 15 to 20 minutes every three days or so. It's not enough. Your dog is bored. Like even um, Riker, you know, right? My dog, we haven't been able to, my dog yard that I've got for them has been pretty flooded out. It's still completely filled with sticks and debris. We're still cleaning it up. It's going to take forever. Um, and they haven't really been able to run. Even around my property, they just, they have, we've got acreage, but they can't get around right now because of the water, because of everything. And you can see Riker just wants, he's like, got to get it out. He's still young, you know? And so he just kind of ran around, you know, a little bit of the zoomies, not zoomies, but like he's got to get that energy out. So if we don't let our dogs channel this, the, the you know, this energy in a good way, which again, I, I was I, I couldn't take my dogs for a walk, and they're, they're going to get it out in more unhealthy ways. Now, luckily, my dogs are pretty stable overall, so that's that's his way of getting it out. Let me run a little bit, and then we're good. Um, doesn't need to take it any further than that, thank goodness. So, the walk, the walk can change your life in <laughs> making a more stable home for you and your dog. Okay. All right. I know we've been doing, there's a lot of kind of little offshoots went off topic, back on topic, off topic. So let's, let's, (laughs) let's try to stick with it here. But I think the biggest takeaway from my talk on the walk (laughs) today is that you aren't walking your dog enough. You aren't doing it often enough and you aren't doing it long enough. So guys, let's just, let's just be real. Okay. If we have a small dog, a lap dog, dogs like a Shih Tzu, a Maltese, dogs that were more bred for companionship, not necessarily bred for specific working purposes. Yeah. We're talking 30 minute walks guys. Now you might be surprised. You might be surprised. Those dogs can go longer than you think they can. Look, my little Chihuahua, uh, not Chihuahuas, bred different reasons, but Chihuahua, my Chihuahua can go for an hour long walk with no problems. 
she has more energy than even my big guys. I mean, really, guys, legit. Like, she comes back and she's still awake. Everybody else has passed out. Um, and she takes more steps than they do. So people do discount the ability a little dog has. But I'm telling you, you know, yeah, 30-minute walk, 30 minutes to an hour is a comfortable walk for a smaller dog like that. Okay, we start getting bigger, you know, we start getting into bigger dogs. And if we get into things like, uh, look, even even not much bigger, right? A rat terrier. That's a dog that needs a little something to do. Rat terrier is going to be able to go for a while. Okay, you'd be surprised. Again, uh, dachshunds, same thing. Now, dachshunds, we have some physical limitations. That's why it's good to bring them up. Um, obviously, guys, we got to be careful with them and certain things with their with their uh, joints and their build. At the same time, they are built to work. Don't forget that. Okay, so we can keep going up the list here. You can get into your like mutts and mixes that are between the 20 to 40-ish pound range, right? But when we start getting mutts, mutts and mixes... Well, then there's different influences coming in. Look, let's talk about Riker again. Why not? Um, about 55, 60 pounds. He's a complete mutt. But guys, he has got husky in him. He has got boxer in him. He has got Australian cattle dog. He has pit bull. He has, uh, what am I missing? Collie, um, you know, among other things. So when you think about, when you hear all those breeds out loud, I go, whoa, working dog, you know, this sporting dog, this dog needs something to do. Uh, and we, that we do, we've got to give him a job and he's much happier when he's got that job. Something as basic as a walk. Riker's going to need a good hour long walk minimum, like twice a day would be ideal for him. Weather permitting, of course. Uh, but that would be ideal for a dog like him. Okay. We start getting into, like I talked about earlier, the German shepherds, the retrievers, the sporting, the gun dogs, the working dogs. You guys cannot work those dogs enough. Now, you can, don't get me wrong, but I'm saying the average owner, you can't. You should be out there walking your dog all the time, giving them a job, uh, playing with them, taking them on adventures, uh, providing different tasks, maybe doing agility, um, obedience training, all these different things that we can be giving them that are supplemental jobs to create that fulfillment for them that they desperately need, okay? But the walk... Yeah, get back to it. The walk is the most important part. I don't care what the dog is, the size, the breed, anything. Okay. So this is why what I really wanted to focus on today is I'm just really discovering how many people don't understand how important the walk is. If you aren't doing anything else with your dog, you need to be walking them guys every single day. What does that walk look like? Let's talk about that real quick, right? We all know it. I mean, that's a thing. I think most people out there <laughs> are very aware of what the walk should look like. <laughs> should look like, right? The dog should be beside you or behind you, never out in front. Your dog shouldn't be focused on everything else in the world that's going on around them. They should be focused on the walk. Guys, you've seen it. You got an owner out there doing, they're just walking down the street. You've got a dog who's right at their side. Head is kind of down a little bit. They got a nice trot going. Their focus isn't all over the place. They're not pulling. They're not lunging. Their nose is not glued to the ground. They're not trying to mark on everything. You've seen it. It's rare. It's becoming a more and more rare occurrence, unfortunately. But you've seen the owners out there who do the proper walk. That's what it should look. You know what? Do me a favor, guys. I got I got a homework assignment for you. Next time you see somebody walking their dog well, I want you to stop them and ask them, "Hey, how how would you rate your dog's behavior overall, one to ten? Like anxiety, greeting people, overexcitement, playing with other dogs, socialization. Are they good at all? How would you rate them, one to ten? Ten being the best. See what they say. 
then I want you to find a dog that's completely out of control. <laughs> and I want you to, well, careful asking that owner. He might offend them. Uh, <laughs> but ask him, how would you rate your dog's behavior? I could almost guarantee with 100% certainty, almost, I could guarantee if you took a pool, you took a little pool, right? You went out, took a little pool, took a pool of people and said, hey, I'm going to ask you this question. Give me the rating. I could guarantee you. That majority of the people who have their dogs walk well would say their dog's behavior is at least an eight or above. And I could almost guarantee you everybody's dog that's out of control is probably a seven or below. I mean, come on. Like I could, (laughs) proof is in the pudding. If you walk your dog properly, your dog is going to know how to focus better, know how to listen better and be better behaved. Okay. So more importantly than anything, you have to have a proper walk. After that, you have to have the right amount of a walk, the right time, the right amount of exercise for your dog. That's knowing your breed, knowing the individual, uh, and knowing what it takes to give them fulfillment and get them tired, right? So we know what the walk looks like. We know how long the walk should be. It's a matter of you guys taking these tools, putting them into play, and getting out there and walking your dog. Again, I end every episode with get out there and walk your dog. Why? Because it's what you need to do. Get out there and walk your dog. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and now offering virtual training as well. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com, or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Paws. Located in beautiful Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Cast, cute cuddle playtime, but not always. Yes, we have to talk about this segment. Like, here, here's what this is going to be about. First of all, I have to give the I sometimes am the bubble popper, the balloon popper, bubble burst, or whatever you want to call it, Debbie Downer, party pooper, because unfortunately, that's my job, guys. My job is to bring pet owners back to earth. <laughs> Get their heads out of the clouds and look at the reality of a situation from a behavioral standpoint. And I, I, I sometimes get pushback with people when I bring reality and, and they go, oh, it's kind of mean. Guys, if you go get help from a human therapist, a human psychologist, what do they do? They bring your head out of the clouds, they bring you back down to earth, and they make you look at the reality of what it is. But for some reason, when we put this cute, cuddly, little, fluffy, adorable thing in front of us, all of a sudden, reality just can't exist for us anymore. (laughs) 
do you know how often I hear that? It's one of my least favorite phrases from a client. I'll be honest. You know, and look, disclaimer again, truth bomb, guys. This is a truthful segment. This is going to be a truthful segment today. Nothing more, nothing less. All right. So here it is. One of my least favorite things I hear from clients is I have to do this. Oh, I can't. I just can't. I can't resist them. I have to do it this way. And I look at them and go, is someone putting a, I'm sorry, is someone threatening your life if you don't not do it that way? Am I missing something? Because I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not threatening anybody over here. Anybody, anybody? No, no, nobody's threatening. You don't have to do it that way, guys. You're choosing to. It's a choice. It's a choice to spoil your dog's rotten. It's a choice to not provide discipline rules and boundaries. It's a choice to have a bad dog. You heard me. Look, guys, with the exception of dogs that maybe have trauma and, you know, you've adopted a dog that's older, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who knowingly shoot themselves in the foot behaviorally with their dogs over and 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 then go, why am I not getting a different result? Do you know the definition of insanity, guys? It's doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. That's the definition of insanity right there. So... Look, cute cuddle playtime. <laughs> My parents said it best. There's a time and a place for everything, and it's called college. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> or am I? It's kind of truthful. Um, but yeah, kids need to have more fun nowadays. I mean, they should have, not need to have more fun. They need to, kids, younger people, y'all need to take a chill pill. That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> take a chill pill, y'all. Um, all right, so... What I'm trying to say here, guys, is there's a time and a place for playtime and cute and cuddle fun time with your dogs. I snuggle with my dogs. My dogs are allowed on the furniture. They come lay with us. Some of them sleep with us. You betcha. But here's the thing. If I want my dog to get off the couch, to get off the bed, all I have to say off and they're off. I have control, I have rules, and I have boundaries. That doesn't mean there isn't affection. That doesn't mean there isn't playtime. That doesn't mean my dogs aren't having fun. I can't tell you how many people I've come across that equate rules and boundaries to your dog must be miserable. It's like, have you seen my dogs? They are happy as clams and they love life. Like, you know why? Because I treat them like dogs. I give them rules, structure, boundaries, discipline, and affection, and cute, cuddly, fun playtime, you know? But you can't let logic go out the door on these things, guys. You've got to bring yourself out of the clouds, back down to earth, and realize, oh, I have an 85-pound dog that jumps all over people and has no sense of boundaries and steals food out of people's hands and off tables and gets possessive over toys. Hello? That's not okay. That is unacceptable behavior that you should not be accepting. You know, how about the, oh, my favorite one. And actually, I, I, I we get, we'll talk about the Q&A today. I have a great question in there that we're going to get to. Um, but <laughs> small dogs, <laughs> small dogs aren't, who cares if a five pound dog jumps on you? Who cares if a five pound dog steals part of your sandwich off the table? Who cares if the five pound dog barks and says, who, oof, it's cute. It's adorable. It's fluffy. Who cares that he's anxious? Who cares that he's trying to bite the four-year-old? His teeth can't do any damage. Oh my gosh, guys. Irresponsible dog ownership. Bad, bad, bad. Tisk, tisk. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this is the truth bomb of this segment. 
cute, cuddly playtime is something you get a sh- ton more of. <laughs> Almost, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> it's something you get way more of if you just provide discipline rules and boundaries to your dog. Like the other day, I'm walking a couple dogs out at the park. Uh, it's public park. We just finished our walk. Um, and when I put dogs back in the car, you know, if I've got a bunch of dogs, I can't just have every dog leaping in the car at the same time. Either somebody's going to get hurt or they'll get tangled. So we have to have control. So when we go back in the car, I put them all in a sit, stay, and I let them go up into the car one, you know, one at a time so I can take off the leashes and it makes it a lot easier. Um, and there was a gentleman watching me, you know, he's getting his mountain bike out of the car and getting ready to go for a bike ride. And he said, wow, you know, your dogs are so well behaved. And I, you know, thank you so much. Um, love the compliment. We were chatting a little bit and he goes, but that doesn't just happen. He goes, that's a ton of work and a ton of treats, isn't it? I'm like, oh my goodness. Somebody else that gets it. Yay. I'm actually coming across more of those recently. It's been nice. <laughs> People who get it, um, you know, and it's just like, exactly exactly. You get it, guy. This doesn't just happen. Good behavior doesn't just happen because I'm best friends with my dog. I'm best friends with my dog because I'm, you know, created rules, boundaries, structure, and the affection, and the treats, and the food, and the reward, reinforcement, and punishment. Okay? It always goes back to these basics. And the basics say, I can't have cute, cuddly, fun playtime if my dog is acting like a lunatic. The last thing I want to do in a moment when my dog is doing something I don't like, the last thing I want to do is give affection and reinforce that behavior. But I watch owners do it all the time. And then they go, I don't know why he's out of control. I don't know why he won't stop jumping on me. You are a source of information to your dog, right? And if all you ever do is give your dog fun, cuddly playtime, then your dog is going to walk all over you because you're not a source of information to them. You're just a source of playtime. Be a leader to your dog and then be their friend. You know what I mean? Like, I, look, when I was growing up, my parents were really awesome at providing a nice balance between discipline and affection. They, you know, not perfect. No one is. But they really did. And there was this understanding, you know, that, hey, here, fulfill A, B, and C, you know, get good grades, don't talk back, be a respectable kid. <laughs> Crazy things to ask from of a kid, I know. Weird. <laughs> Do all these things, David, and then life's pretty good. Do all these things and then rewards come your way. So what happened when I was a kid? What well, was pretty structure, rules, boundaries, discipline, then cute cuddle fun playtime. See what I'm saying here? <laughs> okay, then the reward. But if my parents started throwing me all the rewards before I ever earned it, well, then I'm going, so what? Like, great, I already earned it. I don't need to do anything else. Why do I want to lift a finger? Why do I want to get good grades? I already get all the rewards. I'm already getting all the benefits. So what's my incentive motivation to work harder. So look, guys, it's not that I don't want you to be cute and cuddly and fun and playtime with your dogs. I, I love my dogs. Like I love my dogs so much so that I made a career out of it. You know, I was like, I, I say that you know, I love dogs more than the next guy, but I'm not going to let my dog misbehave and act like a lunatic. It's just not going to happen. It's a common I hear when I'm out walking dogs in public and they go, Wow, they're all so well-behaved, and I love to look back and go, wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) And they kind of laugh at that, you know? 
It's like, why would you? Why would you want it any other way? Why in the hell would you want your life to be chaotic? Why would I want my dog to feel like that? Why would I want my dogs to feel anxious all the time, bark all the time, feel like they need to be defensive all the time, feel like they need to be protective all the time, feel like they, they worry when I leave, they get anxious when I Why would I want my dog to feel like that? The only way to get them to stop feeling like that is through rules, boundaries, discipline, then affection. Again, guys, it's really basic. If I have a dog acting like a lunatic, let's just go to a basic example. I have a dog barking and pawing at the crate and going nuts, right? They're in the crate. I come home and they start going nuts. If I let them out of their crate when, while they're going nuts, what am I communicating to that dog? I'm communicating, hey, all you got to do is act like an anxious nut job and you get out of the, then you get out of this crate, I'm literally conveying and conditioning a response that this dog goes, oh, all I have to do is get worked up and act like a lunatic and scratch at this bark and go nuts and then they let me out of here. So that's what I'm supposed to do. I should keep acting nuts. I should keep acting nuts because that's what gets me something. That's literally what people do to their dog's brains. Like, is that not just mind blowing to you? Come on, guys. No. If I walk in and my dog is acting like that, I'm ignoring them. They don't exist to me until they calm down. And they will. Just got to wait them out. They will. Once they calm down, then I go and open up the crate and I let them out. And look at that. I reinforce. Oh, I relax. The dog goes, I relaxed. I laid down and I calmed down and they let me out of the crate. Oh, good. Relaxation gets me stuff. I want to do that again. I'm going to keep relax, keep being calm. How nice is that? Whew, God, I even got myself anxious just imitating an anxious dog. Wow. <laughs> Imagine how you're making them feel, guys. Now, I don't know how they feel, can't prove it. But what I can tell you is when a dog is acting frantic, it can't sit still, it can't relax. I don't think that's better than acting relaxed. I, I just, come on. I don't think it takes a behavior specialist to go, I would rather my dog act like that than act like that. Something to think about. Look, I warned you at the beginning of the segment. I warned you. It was going to be an honesty time. Honesty time, guys. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with cute, cuddly playtime with our amazing, amazing dogs. There really isn't. But it's important that you're reinforcing and strengthening the right behaviors and the right mental state for your dog. So remember, reinforce calm behaviors first. And then you can do all the cute, cuddly playtime that you want. Next on Speaking Dogcast, it's the first pets. Today on the first pets, we'll be talking about William Taft. William Taft was the 27th president of the United States, and he served from 1909 until 1913. And he has the distinction of being the only person to have served as president and chief justice of the United States Supreme Court as well. And he was also uh, the first and only one of two presidents to be buried at Arlington National Cemetery, the other being John F. Kennedy. Now, the Taft family brought a few pets to the White House. Now, I say 
pets because two of the animals, well, they may not be considered uh, pets by a lot of people, but to the president, they were no different than their dog. They had two cows that they brought along, Pauline and, I love this name, Mooly Wooly. <laughs> now, Taft's wife, Helen, often called Nellie, she was more pragmatic, and she wanted the cows to actually help save on expenses. Of course, that means the cows were used to make milk and butter. Now, they could often be seen grazing on the South Lawn, as of course, at the time, there were no restrictions, no zoning laws, and so the cows were freely roaming. Now, unfortunately, Mooly Wooly did not live long and supposedly died of eating too many oats. Now, the Tafts also had a dog named Caruso, who belonged to their daughter, also named Helen. Now, he was a small white dog that was given to Helen as a gift from famed opera singer Enrico Caruso. Now, when Caruso came to the White House, he thought that, well, you know, the cows might not be the most desirable pet for a little girl to have, so the dog got brought along as a present, which Helen happily accepted. Now, there was reportedly one more dog in the Taft family that they brought along, but name and the breed has been lost to history. Next on Speak-A-Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. The first question today comes from Jesse from Indianapolis, Indiana. Jesse says, My dog got out of my yard last night, and my neighbor brought my dog back and was not happy about it. However, their dog does the same thing all the time coming over into our yard. Let's just say the interaction didn't go very well. My neighbor's argument is that their dog is small, and nobody cares about a small dog roaming around. But my dog is big and intimidating, and that's why it's not okay. What should I do with my neighbors? All right, Jesse. Look, this is this is an interesting question. And here's the thing. First thing I'm going to say is you may not like some of what I'm about to tell you. Okay, because here's the thing. I am a firm believer in that you, as a dog owner, should take responsibility for your dog and follow all of your local laws. Now, I did a little research, and in the state of Indiana, there are no leash laws. Indiana has no statewide leash law. Now, town, city, county governments, they do have the power to enact their own dog leash regulations, and the majority of municipalities do require dogs to be kept on leash under most circumstances, whether on private or public property. Now, I got a little further in this and discovered that the Indianapolis Code provides that an owner violates the code if their animal is, quote, at large in the city. At large means that the animal is loose and free roaming, not held by a leash, and under the control of a competent person or otherwise not being confined to a pen, yard, vehicle, etc. So, here's the answer, Jesse. You're both actually breaking the law in the city of Indianapolis. May not be what you want to hear right now, but this is the truth. Unfortunately, in this situation particularly, you are both in the wrong. Uh, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but it's the truth. You notice the law doesn't say big dog, little dog, or breed, or anything. No, it's it's not uh, going to discriminate against a No, a dog is a dog is a dog, and every dog should be... Look, in my opinion, I, I personally think that every state should have some form of leash laws. That's my opinion, because I see a lot of irresponsible dog ownership, and I'll be honest, letting your dog get out is not exactly responsible. You do have the responsibility as a dog owner to keep your dog confined and safe. And unfortunately, them getting out of the yard on both accounts, you and your neighbor, again, the law is, is saying it's not okay. And me as a professional, I'm telling you, it's not okay. 
You know, it's your responsibility to put in fencing that's going to keep your dog in, whether your dog is, you know, look, if your dog is starting to dig holes and get out, it's a different story. Your dog is now having behavioral problems and it's bored. Okay. Your dog is bored and trying to find things to do. And that's why you're getting these issues. So I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I really do. But unfortunately, in the eyes of the law and the eyes of a professional, I really don't think you or your neighbor is in the right here. I think you're both in the wrong. Now, look, if you turn into the responsible dog owner that I hope you do, and you keep your dog confined and your neighbor's dog keeps coming over, then what you can do as a responsible dog owner is take pictures, take video, take evidence, send it to your local uh, animal uh, control office or even your local ASPCA chapter, and your neighbors, depending on how the law is structured and written, at least in the state of Florida, they can be fined, and if it continues to be a problem, they can actually have to appear before a judge in a court of law. One other thing in my state, at least, again, I don't know about in uh, Indiana, but if there's a loose dog out, you actually have the right to pick up that dog and take him to a shelter, take him to the local pound, uh, humane society, what have you, and they have the right to hold on to that dog and contact the owner and let the authorities deal with it. Then it's no longer your problem. So look, I know this was a long conversation and it may not have been the answer you want to hear, but hey, this is the truth. This is the truth. We all need to be responsible dog owners and take responsibility for our pets, no matter what the behavioral issue that's going on and is happening. It is your responsibility as their owner. And of course, as we learned here today, and I read up on with the law, the law is saying that you are to keep your dogs, you know, on a leash or confined. Simple as that. So kind of hope that helps. But uh, hey, try to keep your dog in your yard and hopefully your neighbor can, can uh, do the same. Next question. This is from Candy from Wayne, New Jersey. Candy says, My family just adopted a new puppy and we are going to pick her up next week. But we have a four-year-old cat who is very sweet, social, and loves everybody, but has never met a dog. What can I do to ensure that they click right away? So first thing, Candy, is honestly, look, a puppy and a cat, (laughs) they may not click right away. Sometimes these relationships do take a little time to develop. And it's going to take some training on your part and definitely some training on your cat's part, too. (laughs) Like normally these situations tend to be, especially if you have a puppy, like almost always, the cat and the dog have got to figure a few things out. First of all, what in the world is that thing, right? That's the first thing your cat's going to think. What is that if it's never seen a dog? (laughs) Uh, It's going to take some figure. And your puppy at some point is going to try to play with the cat. Now, this is where you need to be very careful. Make sure you're watching your puppy. I don't know, you know, I don't know how big of a puppy you're getting here, um, but be sure you're watching the puppy closely and making sure that she's not going to, or he or she, uh, would you say, going to pick her up? There she is. Uh, (laughs) Make sure that she's not going to accidentally hurt the puppy try or excuse me hurt the cat trying to play with them okay so that's the thing is you got to be careful and you do need to get in there and pull the puppy away pull her away tell her no maybe redirect it with a sit um, but you have to be kind of active in making sure that they're getting along to some degree and at the same time letting them figure it out look it's a little bit of judgment it's kind of a little bit of you got to have to watch it and assess the situation and determine at what point you need to step in if you need to get with a trainer you want to talk to me more feel free to reach out more um But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where they have to figure it out to some degree, but at the same time, you have to be the responsible owner in showing your dog where that boundary is. Again, though, don't expect this. (laughs) Don't expect this to just kind of iron itself out overnight. Relationships take time to develop, and that's okay. That's healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. But usually, when you have an adult cat and a puppy, 
things tend to kind of iron themselves out over the course of a couple weeks, if not months, and they end up becoming best buddies in the long run. So uh, there, there is hope. Don't worry about it. Even though your cat hasn't met another dog, you can do this and you can do it in a healthy way. So uh, good luck. And let me know if you have any other questions. The answer to today's trivia question in the UK series Wallace and Gromit, what breed of dog is Gromit? He's a beagle. Yes, he's a beagle and Wallace's best friend. He is a very intelligent dog said to have graduated from Dogwarts University with a double first in dog engineering. going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. If you haven't clicked that subscribe or follow button, go ahead and do so right now. And if you love what you're hearing, give me that five-star rating. Follow me on Instagram. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget, get out there and walk your dog.